You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast episode number 53. Today we are talking with Beth. Beth is one of Megan's very own doula clients who just had a VBAC a few months ago. Was it? Has it been how many months? Three or four? Five, five or six? Yeah, I was oh like goodness. five. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so it's, it's been how a longer. Yeah, fine. time just goes so fast. Mm-hmm. But this is the cool thing is I remember I wasn't at this birth. I remember this birth, though, because Megan called me <laughs> as soon as she was on her way home and told me the story. And you guys, if you have ever questioned the bond a mother has with her child, you will not question it anymore after this story is over. But before we get into it, Megan has our review of the week. All right. Today we have a Facebook review from Ebony Crank. She says, when you call, they answer. Just that simple. They are amazing at giving advice and lifting you up when you're really at your weakest moments. I'm grateful to have found the VBAC link. And we love you, Ebony. Thank you so much for that review. And just as she says, you guys, we love talking with you guys. We love answering your questions. We love getting your messages on Facebook and Instagram and, you know, through our website. So if you have questions, feel free to ask. And if you would be so kind, leave us a review on Facebook, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. We love it. And you may just be the next review that we read. Absolutely. Guys, I can't even tell you how much these reviews mean to us. I was just on our Instagram page today, kind of getting a little soapboxy and and sappy about the reviews because I don't know if you guys know this, but I live about an hour away from where we record and Megan lives about 30 minutes away, you know, in the traffic. It's a little bit less time when there's not traffic. Mm -hmm. But um, and then we come up several times a month to record just three episodes a night. So we spend five hours away from our family just to come right here and and give you guys the VBAC Link podcast. And sometimes it's a little hard and sometimes it's a little difficult and there's dishes left in the sink and kids don't go to bed as good for dad. But you know what? These reviews that we get from you guys make it really worth it and remind us why sometimes why we keep doing this even though it takes a little bit of extra work. And we love every second of it. Our husbands might not as much when they're home with the kids at bedtime, but also it's kind of a nice break for us. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton. VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, we have got such an amazing episode for you today. I'm over here like talking with my hands and Megan's looking at me like I'm a crazy person because nobody can see me right now. But listen up, ladies. I tell this to my clients all the time. And when I'm interviewing clients or when we're talking with just pregnant women, ladies, you have this bond with your baby already that that science can't even explain, that we can't even begin to comprehend as human beings, whether you believe in God or the universe or Mother Nature or Earth, or, or maybe you don't even believe in any type of energy whether you believe it or not, it's true and it's there and it is 
freaking amazing. And you guys have this connection is so strong and so incredible. And sometimes it's really hard to find that connection. And sometimes it's really hard to get down into a nice quiet space in your mind and in your heart where you can really listen and hear and connect with your baby. And and sometimes, you know, it's hard not everyone connects with their baby intensely in this type of way. And there's lots of different reasons for that. But the connection is there and it exists and it's real. And I'm so excited to hear this story. But before I just keep talking more and more and more, I want to introduce Beth. Beth, are you on the line? <laughs> I sure am. Hi, guys. Hi. Hey. <laughs> I seriously can't wait to hear your story. Yeah, from, Megan, it's tell been, me. <laughs> it's been five months, but I really can't wait to hear it again from your perspective. We've talked about it. We've talked about how amazing it is. But share with the world because this story is incredible. Yeah, I mean, I, I think back to it all the time, too. And I just, even I can't really believe it or stop telling everyone around me um, all the details. So I'm excited to have an outlet where where everyone wants to hear my story. <laughs> um, Come to the right place. <laughs> right. So uh, I had a C-section with my son in June of 2016. And pretty much the first thing I asked my OB once I was stitched up and clean was what my chances were for a VBAC. And thank goodness she was always very VBAC friendly. And she kind of looked at me. She said, I have no idea what would stop you from having a VBAC. And that kind of set me on my path. And again, thank goodness she was so supportive. And so when we found out we were pregnant, Pretty much the first thing I did was call Megan um, after doing Yay. research. She seemed like the most VBAC friendly doula I could find. I had no idea how VBAC friendly, and oh, I'm she's so happy. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, I'm so happy that I found my way to you guys. And yeah, it just like in my head, it was never a matter of if, it was just like a matter of taking the steps to get there. Yeah. And I got with the midwives um, at my local hospital and they were absolutely fantastic and so fast forwarding to October 9th um, I was due the 26th I had just gone in for you know my weekly checkup you know nothing seemed to be really happening I I mean I told a bunch of people that you know nothing was happening that day don't worry mom and dad go on your vacation nothing's Mm -hmm. happening and I went into work And after work, I was just in a bad mood, just walking around like you do at the end of your pregnancy. Just, I'm always going to be pregnant. And I just felt a little pop, which is basically what happened with my first. And I just felt a little, a little rush, not like a huge movie moment rush, but just a little one. And so, you know, we get we call the midwife line. They're like, well, you better come in to be tested. No crazy contractions were happening. I text Megan like something might be happening. I don't know. We'll update. Uh, we'll update you. Mm-hmm. And so we we get to the hospital. They confirm, you know, amniotic fluid. You know, you're you're in here for the long haul. You're strep B positive, so we have to get antibiotics. But there's no real clock we're putting on you. It's just. A matter of monitoring you, monitoring baby, making sure you guys are fine and making sure we get antibiotics in you. And they were really great. They knew that I really didn't want Pitocin or anything like that. But I, at the same time, I was only at like 
a half or a one centimeter dilated. Like it wasn't like I was ready to go. It was, we're going to be in for the long haul type situation, which is exactly what happened with my first. So I was trying not to let the, the past come up again. Yeah. Yeah. Creep in and like make it me doubt myself. Mm -hmm. Um, So we get me set up with a breast pump to try and like, you know, get things going more naturally before we, we start with the Pitocin. And, you know, we're, I was doing that, bouncing on a ball, and it really, it wasn't doing a whole lot. It was, like, I would get some good contractions while it was on, but they wouldn't last. The second the pump, you know, turned off, everything would fizzle out, and you can't pump for, you know, 12 hours straight. Yeah. I can't oh, even. That, <laughs> that, yeah. that really, that's not an option. So uh, that that was kind of mixed, and I kind of decided I really wanted to rest, um, especially, you know, Megan texted me and was like, make sure you get rest, you know, if this is going to be a long haul, we want to make sure there's energy. I talked to the midwife, and she was totally on board, um, but we also decided to place a Foley bolt so that maybe something would happen while I was sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, so she placed that. I had a very unfortunate run-in with the attending anesthesiologist. Um, The the resident anesthesiologist came in, did her whole spiel. I said, thanks, but I hope not to see you, basically. So she was on her way, totally fine. Then the attending came in, and it still bugs me. It still bugs me to this day when I think about this. But he came in and really, like, tried to scare me into placing an epidural um, even a just in case epidural, oh. which mm. I know I I was so mad about it. It's just surprising you- too because this is one of the hospitals that's most feedback friendly. Yeah. So it's so mm-hmm. interesting that the anesthesiologist did that whole like just in case thing. Like it was yeah. so annoying. I had never even heard about it ever. The other hospital I delivered at, which was probably less feedback friendly in general, but was pretty, probably pretty good. But I had never heard that ever before, even when talking with my OB afterwards. But yeah, it, it made me so mad, especially I was in a room with a, a tub that I wanted to labor in and that would make me automatically disqualified for that. And so, you know, I let him know that I understand that if, you know, push comes to shove and I'm part of the very, very, very small percent of people who have a rupture and that it's catastrophic that I would need to be put under general anesthesia anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and the epidural might not even matter because yep. they wouldn't be able to get, you know, the medications pushed enough. up enough in that kind of emergency. Yep. And he, he kind of pushed back and he just kind of huffed away and said he just wanted to have an adult conversation about it, which is probably the part that makes me the most angry because <laughs> I was having an adult conversation. I am an adult having this conversation with you. It's because he didn't like your answers because you weren't agreeing with him. He was mad that I had already done my research, obviously. I mean, that was what came across. So after that and after complaining about that to about everyone who came through the door for the next few hours, um, I got some sleep. Nothing was really happening, so it wasn't too hard to get sleep. And the next day, 
when I really hadn't dilated much, I texted Megan to come over to see if, you know, she could come over, do some essential oils, do some pressure points, try and get things going the best we could before we moved on to Pitocin. And so she came over, we did what we could, and really nothing was happening. And the the clock was running out for the fully bulb because I think there's a 12-hour cap on that um, before you have to take it off. And so for the last, I don't know, three or four hours, we decided to start with a low dose of Pitocin because nothing else was really working out just to try and see if we could get it to work and fall out and help manually dilate me. So that's what we did. We just kind of hung out. Poor Megan. I kind of feel bad for wasting like six hours of her day. No. Just, you know, sitting, <laughs> talking with the student midwife. No. Really don't. not doing much, <laughs> which was fun. They were they were a fun bunch. Um, I think we were um, just kind of a room where they could go and not have to really worry about much because nothing was happening. Well, yeah. And they were amazing. <laughs> like the, they student, were. the student midwife. Awesome. I will never forget him. He was he was, he was awesome. fun. Yeah, you could kind of tell the second that he was like, "Oh, so this is a cool room. I can just like chat because uh-huh. he went from a very professional doctor to I'm just going to speak my mind about the traffic, traffic in situation. Utah. Yeah. <laughs> he was great and it was fun. He was just, you know, I was on the ball bouncing. My husband was still working. He was working from his laptop remotely. Because that's how little was happening that I, I told my husband, like, there is no point in you to start your paternity leave today, clearly. Mm-hmm. Work while you can. And so I eventually sent Megan home as to not completely waste all of her day. And, you were not wasting um, my day. <laughs> and got some more sleep. And they turned up the Pitocin while I was doing that. And so while I was sleeping... I dilated to a five um, when they came in and checked next time. It was a five or a six. I want to say five. And they decided to break my water. Uh, That was in the evening. I want to say close to eight or nine at night. So they, they broke my water. We were all really happy that upping the Pitocin was, you know, actually getting me to dilate. And so they broke my water. I got, I had my husband call Megan to come and join us um, because we were going to fill up the tub and start laboring there and like really hope to get this thing going. And so she gets there. We, we get in the tub and it was great. She's like turned off all the lights like put her little tea light candles out. It was so relaxing and the water is amazing. I honestly thought my contractions had stopped when I got in the water, but then I was like losing my mucus plug and everything Mm-hmm. Um, which was really cool to see. And they came in around 10, probably, and asked to, you know, check me again. And so they did. And the the student midwife, um, it was a different one than earlier. Mm-hmm. He, he, he another reached guy, up. though. <laughs> yeah, another cool guy. Totally crazy and that totally awesome. awesome. Yeah. He reached his hand up and he was like, what? It, is this? Like a hand, he was like really confused, oh my and like gosh. <laughs> he was so face, he was so confused. His facial and then expression the, was like um, attending midwife. She reached up and she's like, "Yep, that that's a hand. Your your baby has, you know, slipped her hand uh, over the cervix, like under it, and it's 
her hand is like on her forehead. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Or the very top of her head, like. And so we were just like, so what do we do now? Megan was saying that she had a hand delivery just like a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That uh, mm-hmm. the hand came first, mm-hmm. um, and so. I knew not to panic because she had actually just been talking about that when we were in the tub. So it was just a matter of what to do. So we couldn't go back in the tub, which was too bad because it was really just amazing. So I had the nitrous, which helped. It wasn't the same as the tub, but it definitely was better than nothing. Mm -hmm. And so we were just kind of waiting and seeing what we could do. So um, it was, Probably an hour or so later, we had the attending OB come in to see if he could, like, push the hand back. And this this is probably the most intense part of the whole story. Oh I mean, at least for me, like, it was yeah. the part that was just, like, intense. Because I still hadn't had an epidural or anything. Um, I was just on the nitrous. And so he he started pushing it back. And at first I was like, okay, I can handle this. And that very suddenly turned to very excruciating pain. Um, I remember just breathing so deeply into the nitrous that I actually started to have like an out of body experience Mm -hmm. where it was almost like I could see myself like, so I, it's almost hard to explain mm-hmm. where like everything turned beige. I don't know why beige, but it turned beige. And like, I could kind of like see myself. It was weird, but um, I was just like screaming into the nitrous mask. And I have no idea how long it took. I honestly don't. Like I said, it was like an out of body experience. It was really painful and weird. So he stopped because he probably felt like he was murdering someone with those types of screams. Mm. You were doing so good, though. Like, that was intense, and we could see that it was intense, but you handled it very well. Thank you. I mean, I don't, I appreciate that, because from my point of view, I was just screaming, so thank you. Yeah, no, you Um, did amazing. I would have been, like, running off the bed, (laughs) and you did not. You just were there. Yeah, I, I was just, like, trying to, like, push the mask even further onto my face like that would do anything different but so they would kind of let me collect myself for a few minutes afterwards because I was just like sobbing to my poor husband I don't think like afterwards he I remember him saying like can we just get the epidural from the get-go from now on Because, (laughs) because that was so intense but I had to remind him that hopefully the situation doesn't happen again. But anyway, so I collected myself um, a little bit. And I remember just having, trying to have the most like rational, logical conversation with the midwives of like, okay, here are our, our options. First option, which is the one that I want to avoid, would just be a C-section. I don't want that. That would be absolute nuclear option at this point. Mm-hmm. Option two is just waiting to see if, you know, it resolves itself on its own, which it hasn't so far in the handful of hours. So that's not looking ideal. And like option three would be to get the epidural to see if they could be like more aggressive with, you know, putting, pushing the hand back without me being in too much pain. And I said, I'm like, that option seems like the best to me anyway, because if we end up needing a C-section, then that would, you know, be one thing that we've already done. Mm -hmm. Uh, It just kind of made sense that 
you know, it would give us the best option for a VBAC, but also would eventually save some time if it didn't work out, which I was very still determined that it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so they did. They came in and gave me the epidural. Thankfully, that attending doctor was not there. Mm-hmm. I would have asked for literally anybody else at that point, but she did a really great job. I had full motion of my legs still. Nice. Um, I didn't need like anyone's help to like move my legs, like get the peanut ball going or anything like that. So she did a really great job. So we got that. And here's like the craziest part of the whole story is once they placed the epidural and we got everything, you know, it, it was fully set in. The uh, resident OB came in, which the midwife wasn't too happy about. She wanted the attending to mm-hmm. be in there, the but the resident doctor. came in. Yeah, yeah, she wanted the same doctor who who came in before. I don't think he was probably overly keen to come in again. So she came in and was just like, "How can I help?" So she went and checked, and she's like, "Oh man, it's not just her hand anymore. She's." Actually, her arm sticking out to her elbow. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it wasn't right. just her hand; oh it was my her gosh. all the way out to her elbow, and she was like, "Yeah, it, it's so far out. You know, you could probably feel it." And then she just kind of looked at me. And she's like, "Do you want to?" And I just had no idea what to say. Like, am I allowed to? What if, <laughs> am I going to hurt her? It, you know, she's like, "No, no, we'll just get you a sterile glove. It'll be fine." And, you know, her heart rate was great through all of this. So there was no real rush. And I I just was like, sure. Yeah, why not? I mean, who who gets to say that they can, like, touch their baby before they're born? So they got me a sterile glove and I put it on and, you know, I reached down and, like, felt up. And at first I didn't really feel much. And then as soon as I did, I think, you know, my eyes just shot open, Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Like what it felt like a, a doll's arm, like just like a little toy doll arm was just like oh up there gosh. for no reason. And it was, it was crazy. But yeah, I kind of like held her fingertips for just a second. And then I, you know, I brought my hand back up and I was just telling everyone how crazy that was um, and just how cool it was. And then the resident was just like, okay, well let's, you know, see what we can do. And it was honestly not even like five minutes in between me touching her hand and the resident like it was right after the resident you know went to check and she's like her she pulled her hand back her hand's not there anymore her head is like fully engaged now and then she yeah she and she turned to me and it was just like I guess she just needed to check with mom before we did Mm -hmm. this thing and oh that just gave me chills (laughs) and I I still think about that to this day that we just had to like have that moment of like okay we're we're gonna do this we're gonna Mm -hmm. do this thing right now and didn't you say like hi baby like yeah kind of talked yeah something yeah I think I just like said hi and touched her hand I almost felt like I was I don't know just like holding her hand and just like passing off a little message that okay we can we can do this you just we need to cooperate with each other and do this thing yeah Mm -hmm. and we did and I got very emotional at that point because who wouldn't I had (laughs) this was like our I don't know 30 or something of being in the hospital 
at this point and because it was like two in the morning, three in the morning. So we we were like, okay, all, all systems go, I guess. She's still doing great. I'm still doing great. And I might as well get some rest before, you know, I'm fully dilated. And so I turned onto my right side and all of a sudden I was, I was starting to feel a lot of pressure lower down which was crazy because I hadn't really felt a lot of like back labor at all um, the whole labor and she had been perfectly interior the whole time she was in the perfect position all of a sudden I was feeling like back labor I wasn't really placing that so I was just like wiggling around the best I could and so they kept checking and I went from a five or a six all the way to you know fully dilated and ready to go in about 40 minutes because her head had finally engaged. So the cervix just kind of melted away as soon as she did engage. But yeah, everyone always says that the urge to push is like feeling like you need to poo. That that did not happen with me. It was just all of a sudden like I was just very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get comfortable. And I just, I remember just needing it to stop mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just need this this feeling to stop and so that was kind of my urge to push of just like no 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 this is not this is not what I want so they came in and I was you know at a 10 but she was at negative two I think like negative two or negative one station she wasn't like ready to come out she mm-hmm. wasn't at zero station or anything and they were like oh well we can do some practice pushes and that would be that would be good. And I was like, hey, why not? I guess I can practice pushing, whatever that means. And my husband was sleeping. I don't know how he was sleeping. Oh, my gosh. Men? Why don't, what do these men do? Like, how can they even? I, I, I don't know. Stupid. I understand. Well, like, he, <laughs> he was, like, worked, like, and he was so tired. And, like, just mm-hmm. sleep. Like, it's okay. Like, sleep right now while she's doing the, like, you know, resting, getting this baby down. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we had Megan go wake him up, and and she was like, "We're we're gonna push a baby out." And Jace, Jace my husband, was like, "Are you serious?" He <laughs> <laughs> was like in that, shock. Like, yeah, we're we're serious. That's not a a joking point <laughs> right now. And so he got up, and he, he was like half asleep, and he just kept saying like, "Oh, do I have time to pee? I'm not gonna pee." And I was just like, "Oh my gosh, go pee! I'm not gonna have your bladder over my head right now." He's like. <laughs> Pee. <laughs> pee and then we will start. <laughs> like we don't know how long this is gonna take. I'm not gonna have you pee your pants. Like just go. So funny. And so we started pushing and I I didn't get to push like on my side. I think at that point I just like I needed the pressure to stop. And the midwife that was one thing she was being a little like hesitant to have me like change positions. And at that point, I was just tired and ready to not fight with her on this. And I'm like, okay, fine, whatever. I'll push the way you want me to push, which I was doing. And I remember at one point, probably 10 minutes in, my husband turned to me. He's like, you know, everyone's saying that you're doing so well, but you really are. I know you can't tell if there's like you're doing anything or not, but like you're making a lot of progress which was really sweet of him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you hear all these stories of uh, women having their vaginal birth for the first time and it can take hours to push and that's normal. And so 
it was really it was really encouraging to hear him actually say like no you you really are doing good you're making progress and so i just kept pushing and it it went so much faster than i was expecting all of a sudden you know they were saying like no she's coming she's coming right now and so we pushed her i pushed her out and she had actually flipped sunny side up mm-hmm. uh and no one knew and so I, I pushed her out from like negative one station all the way out sunny side up mm-hmm. in about 20 minutes. Yeah. Wow. Um, it was insane. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it helps that she was tiny. I I was 37 weeks and like six days when she was born. So she was, she was pretty small. But yeah. I, I very much did want, did not want to be in that discomfort anymore. <laughs> and yeah, she she was perfect though. She got put straight on my chest, which I never got with my son. I think about four people got to hold him before I did, even though nothing was wrong with him. And it was just so special. Um, I remember I got to feel her crowning too. Um, they, Mm -hmm. they had me feel her, she was crowning and it was just, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I could because I never doubted that I could push her out myself and that my body could do it but it actually happened and I was just so overwhelmed with with just love and appreciation and I just felt that connection so strongly Uh, I don't want to say I I didn't feel the connection with my son I did but it it was just like a different level and she still to this day was just attached to me she follows me around like a sunflower follows the sun. Like she does not like being held by anybody else. She is a mommy's girl <laughs> completely through and through. And still, if she's really fussy or really angry, I will just grab her hand and it'll calm her down. Oh my um, God. Oh my a lot of times. It's, it's amazing. It's tiring because again, I'm the only one she likes, but mm. it's just, so incredible just to see how much she loves me my husband just like laughs because he'll take her and just like try and play with her but her head just like snaps over to wherever I am (laughs) and she'll just like smile at me as I'm going about I don't know doing dishes or whatever and he'll just laugh I'm like Eleanor you are so obsessed with your mom (laughs) and it really it really started before birth we were always just connected and even now, I mean, we're we're joined at the hip, quite literally. Mm-hmm. These days. Um, but yeah, it just it was just so incredible. Um, it was and powerful. I, it was powerful. Yeah, that yeah. Is so I, I will never ever forget that feeling of of you know touching her hand before she even came out, and just knowing that everything was okay. The nurse even told me that you know they had the OR room basically prepped and ready for me to go because they didn't want to risk any nerve damage um, for her to be born with her arm that far out. Yeah. And when you got to the postpartum floor, (laughs) you were very popular. (laughs) Everyone had heard your story. Yes. And I went to my my six-week or no, four-week visit with the midwives even these nurses I had never, ever met, they were like, oh, my gosh, you're you're the one with the baby with the hand that stuck out. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, that, that that's was me. me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> oh. and, 
It was yeah, such an it was story. it was absolutely incredible. That is amazing. I I've got lots of thoughts I want to organize here. Oh my gosh, I just there is just this special connection between mom and baby, and I just want to talk about that for for a minute and. Before I get started, I want to just tell everyone that like the connection is different for every mother and every child and every mother and her each individual child. The connection is different. I remember with I want to talk about my my third birth for just a minute. Like my first my C-section baby, I feel like the bond with him just kind of came gradually after he mm-hmm. was born. I didn't really feel a strong connection to him or anything like that. And then my first VBAC was like this instant connection. I'm like, oh, I love you. Ah, just like immediately, you know, like how you tell, like everyone tells you like, oh, you see your baby. And it's like, I've, I've known you forever. Like that was me with mm-hmm. my second birth. <clears throat> but with my third birth, we weren't planning on getting pregnant. Um, I was just eight months postpartum and I was in the middle of this postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And I was I was in a bad place. Like I was in a really bad place. And um, I know exactly the day I conceived because um, I wasn't doing good. And I just, you know, I wasn't that into it, if you know what I mean. So I, we were in the middle of changing birth controls and, you know, and, and surprise, all of a sudden I'm pregnant and I was, I was angry. I was really mad. I was mad that I was pregnant again because I was dealing with so many things and I had such a hard time adjusting from one baby to two babies. And it's interesting because my first birth was my traumatic one, C-section. I didn't get to see my baby every three, except for every three hours for two weeks, you know, just didn't try, try and feed him. And then we came home and, and it was, it was a hard, hard birth. But my second birth was perfect. It was textbook. It was amazing. And my body was instant with my baby, but I had just an awful postpartum period. And so I was mad that I was pregnant and I was mad and I was mad and I was just mad until about 20 weeks. And then I was like, holy cow, I need to figure out how to get my attitude right because I don't want to bring a baby into this world surrounded by anything but love into any to a place that is anything but excited to see her and to have her presence in this family. You know, and I had a lot of stuff to work through. And so like, don't don't think I'm a bad person by telling you this story. But I just I, I had this like reality check and I worked hard. I worked hard. I, I am spiritual um, and religious. And so I, I um, connected deeply. I prayed a lot. I dug a lot into the spirituality of childbirth and the significance that it has there um, related to my faith. And I, I literally I went and I booked a hotel room for two nights and I took birth books with me and just myself and my like relaxation and meditation and all these things. I literally told my husband, I'm like, I need to go and have three days and two nights to myself. I like didn't bring my phone. I didn't do anything but just like really try and connect with my baby and into into my um to my like ground myself and get myself spiritually ready for this girl to come into our family because I like I said I didn't want to bring her into an environment that was anything but loving and happy to receive her and so I spent three days and two nights in this um, hotel room all by myself and connecting with my baby and let me tell you what I that pregnancy was the one where I dedicated the most time and energy into um, bonding with my baby before she was born and boy, some of the connections and experiences that I had at the end of my pregnancy, by the time, just in case anyone know, was wondering, by the time I was 34 weeks pregnant, I know it's a little late in the game, but by the time I had that point, I was just 100% excited. I was not I was not angry anymore. I wasn't mad. I wasn't frustrated anymore. I was just ready and happy and excited to meet my baby. But we had some pretty intense 
spiritual connections while she was um, still in utero. And they were amazing. And I and I felt a lot of really cool things that are probably a little too personal to say here for the whole world to hear. But when she was born and even after, I mean, um, man, even after she was born, I remember the day after she was born, we just looked and made eye contact and I could feel what she was thinking like deeply in my heart. And it was really just the most amazing experience. And that daughter of until she's about 10 months old and developed this random out of nowhere daddy's girl syndrome, <laughs> the <laughs> only person that could hold her like insights, like she was facing me was me. Everybody else, she had to be held facing outwards and looking at me. Like we had this bond and connection, but now she's total daddy's girl. I mean, I don't know why that went away, which is kind of fine because I have four kids under six. You know, mom needs a little space sometimes. Um, but let me tell you, and then my fourth baby was kind of a mix of all three of those. You know, we were connected. And I think it was just because I kind of knew how to recognize that by the all the work that I had done with my third pregnancy. But my fourth baby, I remember I was worried that I was in labor and I just, I was, it, I had prodromal labor for 30 days. I just remember I was in the in the bath one night at midnight and I was really stressed out. I was like 34, 35 weeks. And I was like, you can't come right now. You can't come. We are not ready for you. You are not ready yet. And I put my hand on my tummy and I just felt her clear as clear in my mind. Just I felt her tell me, I'm okay in here, mom. We're going to be safe. I knew that she was telling me that. And I instantly felt calm and felt better. And we were, we were safe. And she took forever to get here. And <laughs> she was just taking her time. But um, it's really cool because each of the connections with my babies were so different. But every bond also grows differently after the baby's born. But I will tell you one thing for every single person, every single mom and every single baby, you have this unexplainable connection with your baby from the moment they're conceived, I would even say, y have you ever just heard someone say, I just knew I was pregnant. I just knew it. How many times have you heard people say that? It's that connection, that energy, those changes in your heart and in your mind. Really cool. Megan wrote this awesome blog that's going to be up on our website, thevbacklink.com slash blog, all about that mother-baby bond. And I'm just going to tell you a couple little fun facts. First of all, from 20 weeks on, your baby can feel your touch. Mm -hmm. Your baby knows when you're touching it. Pretty cool, right? So mm -hmm. touch that belly, touch that baby. Um, and going along with that, talk to him or her. Because your baby, by the time they're born, they are going to know your voice. And, and I'm pretty sure that everyone can believe that. So we don't need much explanation. Your baby, yes, loves your voice. But guess what else? They can hear they know and identify your, yeah, the, your, their siblings' voices and their father's voice too. So take time and have your children, other children, we know you have at least one C-section mamas, <laughs> um, and your partner, if you have a, a partner in your life that's going to be meeting your baby with you and be involved in their life, have them spend some time talking to them. I remember with my fourth baby, he used to sing her Twinkle Twinkle Little Star well, he, she was in my tummy all the time. And now whenever she's fussy, I will just tell my oldest, I'm like, oh, and go sing Mara, Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. And he'll go over there and sing it to her and she will calm right down. Mm -hmm. And it is so sweet. So encourage your other, other people that are going to be in your baby's life to talk to them because they will know their voices too. And 
the last thing I want to say is every day, ah, every day, it's so hard as moms. So maybe not every day, but try every day to take at least just five minutes and take some time away from everybody, away from the world, turn your phone off, maybe even in the bathtub and just take some time to clear everything out of your mind and just put your hand on your tummy and listen. And just feel your baby, whether your baby's moving, whether it's oh, trying to talk to you. I know it might sound a little silly, but guys, listen, tune into that baby. And you're going to feel that connection. Maybe not every time, probably not every time, but sometimes you will and you will know. And sometimes just like as you're touching, you may end up seeing like they respond to your touch, like mm-hmm. they're communicating. So, you know, just listen deep. um, dig deep down and listen by feeling and tuning into that baby you know and with Beth like just feeling that baby's hand and she did she just kind of talked to her like oh hi baby like (laughs) and everyone's thinking move your hand please move your hand you know and I love when you've said like when she's kind of fussing and you can just grab her hand and she'll calm down that literally gave me chills because that connection was incredible I mean they're everyone's eyes everyone's eyes in that room was like whoa we just witnessed an amazing thing (laughs) so cool yeah I the very first time she was fussing it just popped into my head like just grab her hand and I did and she calmed Mm -hmm. right down and it just it it sent chills down my my spine the first time I I did that and it just like clicked and it just has always been like this this special thing like she loves to just like hold my hand whenever she's playing even she'll play with like one toy with one hand and just like hold my my finger with the other one oh yeah you have that special bond yeah and it's it's amazing like I was bonded with my first but it's really a whole other thing and I think a lot of it was because I really was determined the whole time to have a VBAC and to just like be present in the pregnancy and do everything I could for that. And so I feel like I actually bonded with her more and I was talking more than I was with my first. Uh, I think it was a lot because I had a toddler that I was constantly talking to as well, but uh, that helped. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I didn't feel weird about, you know, talking out loud to my stomach or anything where Mm -hmm. I kind of did with my first. And so, yeah, I just like, you know, you, Julie, I I really, I put more time into trying to bond with the baby. I didn't ever feel like I had to, not quite to those lengths, but I really did try because I felt like with my first, I didn't try quite as much with the bonding. Yeah, and it kind of feels so silly sometimes. I remember my husband, every time I'd be like, oh, look, baby's moving. Or when he'd come into the room, like ready, getting ready to go to bed, I'm like, hey, do you want to say hi to the baby? And he just look at my stomach and he's like, what am I going to say? I'm like, um, I don't know. Hi, baby. Go to my stomach. He'd <laughs> yeah, go to my tummy and be like, husband. oh, hi, baby. And I'm like, not in that voice. Like, talk in your regular voice. Mm-hmm. Just say hi. And he's like, uh... This is just so weird. And yeah. he just like walk away. That's and my husband. <laughs> yeah, I asked him, I'm like, well, aren't you excited to fill the baby? And he's like, it's cool, I guess. But I just <laughs> think for a lot of them, it doesn't really fully yeah. connect until they see the baby and mm-hmm. hold the actual baby. Yeah. Or he, I'd be like, oh, baby's moving. Do you want to come feel, feel him or her kick? And he like put 
his hand on my stomach for like two seconds and then one kick and then he'd take it off and like go on and I'm like no but look like do it more because like I could just sit there for like 20 minutes just feeling baby kick and I'm like do you just not want to can you just give me a little bit here and just put your hand on my tummy for longer than three seconds (laughs) I'm pregnant (laughs) my husband with our first and sadly we didn't do this with our second or third I think it's just because you know, you we already had one. busy, but he, so he speaks Spanish. So he got a little book of nursery rhymes and Aww. would read her a story every night in Spanish. And that was so awesome. And That's I think, um, you know, after my C-section, like he went with her because they took her cause she, they had to like get the fluid out of her lungs cause it didn't come out. And he was over there with her and calming, she was calming down anytime he had talked to her. And I think that really Aww. is because he, she recognized his voice. Even though he wasn't speaking Spanish, mm. she recognized the tones of his voice. So I love it. And it's powerful and it's real. And I can just tell you right now, I witnessed an amazing thing. It ah, is real. So so cool. All right, Beth. Well, we loved hearing your story. And I'm going to be telling this story, even though I wasn't even there. But I feel like so, like a part of it because I just felt Megan's energy. So she's telling the story on the way home. And, and it's just amazing. And we really appreciate you getting on and sharing your story with us. And I know that um, so many women are going to be touched by this story, too. We're going to get messages about this, guys. If you feeling like you want to tell talk to us about this, send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. We're going to make sure it gets to Beth, and we cannot wait to hear what you think about this just magical story. Thanks for having me on, guys. Interested in sharing your VBAC? Head over to thevbaclink.com slash share to submit your story. For information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbaclink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.